the Cool Jobs Podcast. You're like, where's Saskatoon? Follow Cool Jobs Podcast on Instagram at Cool Jobs Podcast. You know 10 NHL players. The Cool Jobs Podcast is brought to you by Crown Jewel Recruitment. Please tell me there's video. Is there video of this? If there is, we're going to insert some right here on the podcast. Oh, we can do it live. This is the Cool Jobs Podcast with your host, Johnny Jasno. Boom, here we are again. I see him right there. I cannot wait to talk to him. Welcome to the Cool Jobs <laughs> Podcast, brought to you by Mark Curtis at Crown Jewel Recruitment. Looking for a job? Mark and his team have opportunities in several industries and segments. Whether it's finance, sales, engineering, supply chain, or executive, Mark is able to provide the process that identifies top talent and will get you hired. Check out all the job listings, crownjewelrecruitment.com, or search him on LinkedIn. Rima, you need a job? I'm sold on whatever. Just, man, you give me a job, yeah. man. Whatever. Whatever you just said there, it's like you've done that A few times, a couple times. Um, (laughs) Our guest today on the Cool Jobs podcast is Ryan Meyer, a.k.a. Ryan Mai. Um, Ryan has uh, been all over the place in terms of music, in terms of radio. You've done so much. We have lots to talk about. Um, Ryan, I guess just basically right now, what what is your overall, I guess, day-to-day job? And then what do you guys like really do with Whale and the Wolf? And that's really what we want to get into today. Yeah, for sure. So obviously, Whale and the Wolf, um, that's a big priority in my life and what we do. And I've been lucky enough to be able to obviously pursue that, you know, pretty hardcore. Obviously, with COVID, you need (sighs) to have like active employment to pay a mortgage and all that. So I've been lucky and blessed enough to have a job that I have that is sort of like deemed in the, um, it's a support service for um, sort of like, um, what would you call them these days? and like basically like grocery okay. stores and, and medical centers. So, so our job was deemed sort of like you can go in, you can do your thing. We never had to like stop down and I never had to work from home. I got to go into a job every single day um, and do my work from there and whatnot. So it really, I mean, aside from obviously all the things that happened with COVID that shut the right. band down and everything like that and like, you know, stymied that whole realm of my life. Like the job that I have, I'm working at like a, a stainless steel custom shop. So we do a lot of, of work that's custom stuff for restaurants and for hospitals and okay. for grocery stores. And, um, you know, when, unless you start looking around for stainless steel, you'd, you'd never think about it, but it's honestly like everywhere. So, <laughs> so, so a lot of the essential services needed us to continue to right. build so that we could supply them with things that they needed to keep doing their job and keep everybody fed and healthy in hospitals Bef- and all that stuff. So before yeah. we move on, uh, th- these lights yeah. behind you, what's going on here? Is this your yeah. house? <laughs> yeah. 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 So I was saying to you before we hopped on here, this was the reason we bought this house is because <laughs> like we came in here and they like, we're suckers for this sizzle. You know, you go, oh, to, yeah. like, uh, a place that sells fajitas and you're like, oh, they come out with those steaming. You always want you know, one. Like, wow, I want that. Yeah. So the week, they basically like, as soon as we walked in and we saw these blue lights, we're like, yeah, this is our house. We're buying it. Um, they do go away from the sex oh, party okay. blue. They do. They'll go to like a standard white so we can live our day to day. But I thought that, you know, I'm doing a podcast you with are. Johnny. I'm going full on with this. I lit some candles in the I back. Love I, see those. I love it. That's for you. That's you, for uh, you. And you yeah, probably paid, got the blue lights going probably on paid there. 20 grand yeah. over uh, asking, hey? Oh, a hundred percent, man. I'm like I said, sucker for the sizzle. Like, give me that. What do you want for the house? We'll pay double. That's awesome. Uh, um, foundations. <laughs> with back to with back to whale the wolf. Um, were you guys? You said you had to pay the mortgage. Were you ever borderline? We're gonna do this full time and like quit a day job. It was getting to the point when it was. We were going into 2020. Yeah. 
and we had an EP recorded the year before in 2019 um, that we were gearing up to like put a full on like tour together that would have spanned a month, two months, whatever the hell. I think sort of with with Canadian artists and you know artists in general, um, even outside of COVID times, Canadian artists big time like you need to have something right. else that's that's keeping the lights on no matter what. Like I would say that 95% of Canadian artists have something else going on. Like we played a couple shows this summer with some bigger Canadian right. acts that like, you're like, they've been on the radio. They've been, they've been, they had, you know, giant hits in the nineties and the mid two thousands and whatnot. And you're talking to them and they're like, they're a real estate agent back home and you know what I mean? Wow. Ontario, you know what I mean? So, and I, I think that they just always have had something that they've needed to fall back on and, and not, it's not always necessarily in the music industry. It's, it's, you know, it's sort of like, like I said, putting right. food on the table, but it's definitely not your passion. And if you're lucky to be in a job that pays the bills that sort of links up with the same realm as music, then you're, you're, you're sitting pretty with it all. But yeah, I would say that most of the musicians in Canada um, probably have some other side Crazy. hustle of sorts going on aside from their, they're just trying to pay the bills with their music. Okay, let's uh, back it up. Small town, yep. Saskatchewan. That's where you were born, raised, mm-hmm. kind of grew up. Um, where did music come from for you? Where did that influence come from? Early age? Was it later in life? How did that kind of all start? It's always been there, like from the very beginning. Like my parents, I was yeah, so small town, Saskatchewan, Loon Lake. Like my parents were in a band that, like, when I was, I was basically born into like going Your to parents like all parties. In a band. Where, yeah, they were called the Gypsies, and they were awesome, man. And they'd play like hall parties around. Do we have, you know, do you have music so, of them? None of I, I really, they have nothing recorded. Like it was, it was a lot of, it was probably, they'd probably, they'd probably play like four hours straight of covers. And I think they had a couple of originals, but it was like, we're talking about probably like the seventies, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. pushing into the eighties of, of playing live music throughout halls and whatnot. And, you know, just like playing small town hall parties for like four hour ragers where there was a midnight lunch, like the classic, like you think, you know what I mean? <laughs> I love like, it. And I got to be at a few of those, like went to a few of their, their like wedding dances that yeah. they put on or their, their like street festivals that they'd have in the summer. And so I was always the little shit kid running around. It was always subject to it. I was at a drum kit in my house, always had microphones. Um, parents always had, had music playing and we were always sort of, not forced it was just very natural like the 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 ease of like just falling into this realm right and into into a musical background um yeah the building blocks were all there and it just so happened that i loved it anyway so it was, it was an easy thing to just sort of become yeah did you graduate uh, gravitate towards the guitar or was it more yeah mm. like what did you what did you like most right away uh-huh. I think that when I really started getting good at any given instrument, like I always had a drum kit. Okay. So, you know, just that helped with the rhythm, but never was ever very good at it. Uh, enough to like play along to a song or whatever, right? And that was at a very young age, but it was guitar. I started playing guitar when I think I was in grade five. And just like once, I don't know, after your fingers stop hurting and you can play through a song all the way and you like the song and it's music you're listening to anyways and, the internet, the advent of the internet was happening around there. So you could right. go and, and uh, find a Metallica song or whatever you're listening to, you know, in those foundational bands that you're a kid and you play electric guitar and you think you should learn. Um, you, could, you could find it everywhere. Like it was all on the internet. It was uh, I, I totally, I, dial up. I totally but, hear what yeah. you're saying about playing a song all the way through because I took guitar lessons for, I don't yeah. even know, six, seven, yeah. eight years. And my guitar teacher, he was so big on scales, right? Like, dun, 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 And I was like, man, I just want to, exactly. I just want to play Metallica. I want to play 
yeah. something. I want to play uh, something else. I don't want to do scales anymore. And yeah. it turned me off so bad because I'm just uh-huh. like, what am I going to do with scales on the stage? Like, I you don't think, see Slash um, doing a scale. No, no. I think those are all very good <laughs> foundational pieces to becoming a really good and prolific musician. But I think that it it's different types. You know what right. I mean? Like, I don't think my brain ever really worked that way. I, I never studied theory, musical theory at all. Um, I'm very much ear by the ear. Um, and I think it, it, like I said, does take all types. Like most of our band learned by ear, learned by like, like I said, tablature, like our guitarist was like, learned all the Iron Maiden stuff via like tab, not via like reading music notes, right. but reading like what the, inter- and playing through. And then he just developed an incredible ear, but our drummer luckily is like the only guy and he's like university McEwen grad, like studied in Finland and like is, he's incredible. And it's really good to have that resource in the band to actually like, for him to actually be able to tell you what you're playing. Cause a lot of the, the way that we communicate when we're writing is by like mouthing out what we want to hear. Like my thing would be like, okay, well, when you're doing that thing on the drums, can you do like a, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's yeah, all yeah, that yeah. shit. And it's, it's stupid. It's a different language, but it's like, and he's like, he could tell you every note that you're trying. You know what I mean? Wow. <laughs> you're so like, oh, I don't know. I'm, can like, you re- speaking a different language. Can you read but, music yeah. at all then? No, no, I can read um, like chords, you know what I mean? Like right. in that, like, okay, I don't, like, that's a G, here's a G chord, here's a C, here's a C chord, you know what I mean? Or whatever the hell. Um, so I can, I can do that, but like, no, like zero theory. Like, it's just, it's not how my brain works. I'm just never good at math. I don't know if that's a connected spot in your brain, if it's left brain or right brain or how that works, but um, never, 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 never. So do it. super musical family, did you guys yeah. play then together? Because your sister sings, right? Or what, And what does she play? Yeah. Did she play anything too? Uh, Danae plays some acoustic guitar. Okay. She's got the roots for piano. So she's got like, she's got the roots to do and she sings. But I think, um, it's cause I'm the vocalist in, in Whale and the Wolf. And that was always where I got pushed towards. Um, cause I could carry a tune off the top. And then, um, so like really like when you're a young kid, when you're in grade six or seven, I think it's cool to play the guitar right you know what i mean like it's like you can slay and everyone thinks it's cool but singing i think takes this other barrier of i think that there's a, there's when you're a young boy oh, you know, yeah you're kind of embarrassed it's, it's of not it, you know cool what I mean? like it's it's not you know what i mean and then you know down the road it becomes that and you realize that obviously like the voice is just the the vessel for the lyrics and people will have a deep connection to it and really it's it's in a lot of ways the lyrics are they're not the entire way that a song will give you goosebumps hundred percent. Right. Like it's, it's, it's a bit of a and B vocals, lyrics, and then the music, but it's like the vocals, you know, what makes a great song to me, like pop pop sort of centric song is like, you know, a few words that just hit you hard and you're like, ah, you just peered into my soul. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, so, totally. So, but I think it was going back to it. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Go like ahead. I, I just think that, uh, I was the only one that was willing to be like, okay, I'll, I'll sing. <laughs> so, so I did that and it just, you just, here I am today, I guess. Yeah. I think it was Justin Timberlake said, uh, he started singing falsetto and all of a sudden, like in high school, it was, he was, girls wanted to go hang out with him and go do this and go do that. So it was the hi- change in high school for him that made, well, obviously we yeah. know where Justin Timberlake is now, yeah. but, uh, it was the false yeah. singing falsetto. And so, um, it- I tried not to now, nah, especially at this age, like I'm not pulling the guitar out at parties, <laughs> like unannounced or unasked. Like I just don't want to do that. 
But like, let's not fool around. When I was in high school, I'd pull it out and play a song for a girl, and it, it worked. Nice, <laughs> you nice. know what I mean? Like it just it, it did the trick. You're at that age, yeah. where it does. Like it's like eh, whatever. It's you're young and dumb and stuff, and you pull the guitar out, and it's like I'll pull this tool out and see if this works to maybe get a bit of attention, and it's, it seemed to. But I never, I can't do it now. So you know what I mean? Uh, high school was where. I went to high school in Saskatoon. So I was born in a small town called Loon Lake, Saskatchewan, just like north of Lloyd Minster. Okay. And grew up and like did all my school, like grade one to grade 12 in Saskatoon. Okay. So high school was uh, BJM High School, North End, Saskatoon. So so Saskatoon, though, um, in high school, you, you playing music, you're a musician, you yeah. can sing. So did yeah. you do what every other guy that ever wanted to pick up a guitar in high school would be like, we should make a band. Hey, God. And talk to anybody that wanted to play? Yeah, it always seemed really natural. I was always in a band. I think I've been in a band since I was in grade five. Like, no matter what, I was always in a, in a group that, that played music. So it wasn't hard. And it's always been actually the bassist in our band, Lucas, who's from Saskatoon as well. I've been in a band with him technically now since, you know, since like grade nine maybe like cool. it's quite a few years now um and there was a few off years when he was living there and i was living here or whatever but at the same time like he was he was always in the realm and he's another guy that would tell you straight up like i play the bass because no one else wanted to play the bass everyone wanted to pick up the guitar and everybody there, there was a mil- in my high school there was like everyone and their dog played the guitar you know yeah. what i mean yeah totally and, same, uh, and, like, same obviously like there's a reason it's cool. It's awesome. And like to be able to play the guitar is incredible. But Luke really, he figured it out like I did where it's like, there's a bunch of guitar players, but there's no one who plays the bass and there's no one who's willing to get up and sing. So we kind of just filled those holes and it seemed to work. So in high school, did you play like uh, school dances or talent shows or anything? Like what did you talent show? What did you guys yeah, talent shows? And what did you play? What kind of stuff? Yeah. Uh, it was, it was covers. Like it's like that. Okay. And I'll go back again. Like I think a very, I don't know. At that age and at that time, um, I think probably still today, kids picking up the guitar and playing it for the first time, it's like you always want to just rip as hard as you can. So you play the songs where there's a solo and your guitarist can wank. You know what I mean? Like, yep. So we played um, Van Halen's Eruption. We played Guns N' Roses' Paradise City. We played Paranoid by Sabbath. We played, you know what I mean? Like, God, you know, all the, you name the, like, the Metallicas, the, all the stuff where once again like stuff that you got to feign some sort of masculinity at that age we're like this is cool you know what i mean <laughs> like and even it, just being semi good impressed everybody yes it doesn't and it's to be honest it still doesn't take a whole lot of magic to impress people with music like it doesn't it's okay. it's it, you know it's you get some people in a pub with a few drinks in them and you get someone who busts out a cover of a song that everyone can sing along to. They, yeah. they don't necessarily have to be that great. And you'll leave that bar that night and be like, that guy was the best or that girl was incredible or blah, blah. blah. And obviously there's those people who are like, will blow you away. And you're like, Holy cow. Like there's some musicianship and there's some incredible talent there. But, but that's the thing is uh, with, with music, like I think it's the fake it till you make it kind of thing. Like you right. can get away with not being all that, prolific you know what i mean right, and still right. like people still feel it and get something from it because it's mad music's this magical thing so showmanship obviously goes a long ways for sure yeah oh totally 100 percent it yeah. does and that's that's goes back to that same thing where you're like there were in our band we had this this guitar player mike fisher his name was he is still talk to him here and there um and like he still can rip like he was 
It was, it sucked. Cause it was like, I had been playing the guitar for five years at this point, And he was one of those kids who picked it up. And like within six months, he just was the best guy that we knew. You know what I mean? I best hate guy. people like that. But, but he just was, you know what I mean? Like, and, and you, he worked for it. You know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. you'd go to yeah, his yeah. house and like, he, he was that, you know, how you think about like that cliche high school quarterback who like sleeps with his football in his bed. He like, I think slept with his guitar in his bed, you know? And That's I think crazy. he's still an incredible guitarist to this day. But um, yeah, there's people who will pick it up like that. And it's, it's, you do kind of hate them a little bit, but you're like, good, you know? Okay. So graduate high school, yep. um, your next move, you're, are you off to Edmonton right away? Straight to Edmonton. Yeah. Okay. I moved when I was 18. Moved okay. out. My, my sister was uh, living out here working for the bear, Danae. She's still in radio today down in Calgary. Okay. Um, on Virgin Radio in Calgary. So she was working in radio uh, out in Edmonton and I was like, I gotta go out to Edmonton. What's the, what's the age range there? For you guys. She is two years older than me. Cool. Yeah. So she was already doing her yeah, thing and you, and you thing, were watching yeah. it from the outside. And you're like, that's yes. cool. hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was like, yeah, it sounds like a lot of fun. Uh, and I just, I think I really wanted to move after high school and go and like see what else was out there. Live alone. Like, it's funny. Like, I, I remember like my dreams of what I thought living alone like and being a grown-up was and i i think i always i remember like envisioning i'm like the first thing i'm gonna do when i move out of my house and i get my own place is i'm gonna have a cigarette on the front porch of my new place and i and i remember like doing it like as soon as i moved out got my new place the first like one of the first things like yeah, you know, yeah. okay yeah, this yeah. is it man this is the moment and i like i like smoked a cigarette and i was like i don't like this <laughs> <laughs> like, like not living but like i just don't smoke i never have smoked it, but it was always this thing in my head that like for some reason freedom and being away from your parents who always told you not to smoke was right. like i'm gonna smoke because my parents aren't here and Love like it. i did like i don't I, I never smoked i've never you know like smoked cigarettes I mean, that's just whatever <laughs> it's funny how that worked but yeah i also thought that i would at one point buy an entire tube of cookie dough and eat that i like, heard yeah that's a big fantasy thing. For sure. I don't know why. And I still haven't done that. Like I still like, Hey, don't get me wrong. If there's a rollout and I'll eat it, I'll eat like a whatever handful, even though the, you know, the old rumors are that it gives you worms. Who knows? Salmonella. I don't know. I'm taking the risk, <laughs> but I've never eaten a full. No. I don't think it would. I think at this age, it might do some damage, permanent oh, damage. You it know, would screw me up for sure. Yeah, I'm a, yeah. I'm a Metamucil every night kind of guy right now. Oh buddy. I got onto the muse for a long time. It's it so good. It does the trick. Yep. Yep. It's so good. You do the orange? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I tried yeah. all the flavors, but or classic yeah, orange. You go back is the to best. The orange. I did the lemonade, the pink lemonade. It was oh. it was fine. More of a summer metamucil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That is the best line I've ever heard. <laughs> so true. Um so <laughs> come to Edmonton. Uh you went to Nate, I'm taking it for radio school. Yeah, yeah, went to Nate. Okay. Uh went through television actually. And you went for television? Yeah, I went through television um, and worked at the the Bear radio station the whole time that I was okay. in television. Like total nepotism. Like my sister got me the job at the radio station. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so I was working on the street team there um, and like came out to the end of television and obviously like just with the musical background and not not really having an avenue to do the type of television that I'd l thought I'd like to do. Like I liked, I liked that I learned to edit and tell a story through video. And I think that that's 
a very, I mean, obviously we see that now with TikTok and with whatever, oh. like tell the story in a short yeah, yeah. fashion. And like everyone's an editing wizard these days and can just like make it sick. You know what I mean? Like it's crazy. Like there's, uh, I, I'm, I'm way behind in that now. Uh, but I just, I thought that that was a uh, doing TV. That's kind of what I liked. And, and it did, did serve me. And I still, I'm really happy that I know those skills, but always with radio, it was like music, obviously. Right. And yeah, yeah. Um, so were you always playing still in a band then when you moved to Edmonton? Like when did Whale the Wolf in that, did that all happen kind of when you moved there or was this years after? I started you- playing in a band when I was in college. Um, okay, it was a cover band with my sister, Danae, and we were like a cover oh. band called Dusty Panther. It was awesome. And it was like, I love it. We'd play pretty off the wall covers that were stripped down acoustically you know what i mean and like involved glockenspiels and involved melodicas and like really it it was sort of like a kitschy campy kind of like band that like made a song like did like outcasts hey yeah or did uh would you um, think uh uh pony genuine yeah 100 percent. you know what i mean like taking a song that's probably very and then ripping it right apart ripping it apart and bringing it probably like pulling it back a lot um and for a long time we played without a drummer and had to use like, and just like found creative ways to, to make percussion, to build the song dynamically and whatnot. Um, and would play like four hours on any given Saturday night at like small little dive bars around Edmonton. And, um, one of like the Nate go-to dive bars was, was the blind duck. And we play there all the time. There was a bar in Edmonton called the hooligans on 124th street, which is now Northern chicken, which is like a real good, you know, like hot chicken good joint. Chicken. Yeah, it's good chicken. It good so that chicken. used to be a bar and we used to play in there all the time. And just all these, all these like dive bars, like, yeah, yeah. like with regulars that sat at the wood and you know what I mean? Like bad draft beer and Molson Canadians for days. You know what I mean? Like that kind of bar. Yo, 100%. Really, um, at that point, doing our own sound and bringing a lot of our own like gear in. You know what I mean? Whereas now it's like all that shit's there for us. You know what I mean? To, to People don't into- realize how much work goes into that sh- four hour show in that dive bar yep. with those guys, how much you guys do ahead of time to get there. Yep. Then the day of, then you perform yep. and then the tear down. Yeah, it's a long home. day. Like, Doing that was always a really long day and a lot, uh, in a lot of ways, a lot more work. Um, like you said, like it's just, there was just more that went into it. And at the same time we were learning the whole way through, like through trial and error. Like I'm not a studio mixing guy. I'm not like an, audio tech i'm not a i don't know why my mixer that i was using back in the day to like mix our live sound why what would make it sound good or bad it was just all trial and error and we had some probably some nights that were terrible sound and some nights that just were good and i could never tell you why they were good it was just like right right the room sounds good i don't know whatever right but it was it's that trial and error and i think obviously like cutting your teeth and paying your dues and and uh yeah i don't know it was a blast it was a it was it was a really really fun time and that was i mean back in the time where i'd be like by like the second set everyone in the band's like half cut you know what i mean because everyone's buying you shots and everything like that i'm like oh yeah i don't 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 even drink before shows anymore just because you know i know what my voice does when i'm drinking what it does what it does and i've learned that for years now but back then so it was like it was a lot of fun and a lot of trial and error. And you don't learn that stuff unless you you, you do it that yeah. way from scratch, you know? So so when it went Whale the Wolf kind of formed then after this. Yeah. And then, no. And then there was another cover band. So then my sister oh my moved God. off to Victoria. 
Um, so we like kind of started from scratch with new members um, at the Baron Lachlan Cross, who's a big radio guy too. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. was in that band, and a couple other guys. We found a guitarist, and we found a mandolin player. And once, and and Paul Brown, who was you know a main staple in in radio in Edmonton here, he played the drums, and it was uh, that was that was a lot of fun, and a lot of we got a lot of shows we probably shouldn't have been playing just through purely through the radio connection thing. Like we weren't. The talent wasn't there. The heart was there. You know what I mean? And we mm-hmm. were probably stealing some gigs from some probably some local musicians that probably hated our guts for it. But like, oh, I don't know, like, sorry. <laughs> you know what I mean? I still think that the core of it, we were, it was a, we were a fun band to watch and we weren't like cock rock. Like it was an interesting, yeah, yeah. I think we had an interesting sound that, um, you know, we and because we were openers all the time or whatever, we were playing for 30 minutes, 45 minutes. Our set was quite varied and it was interesting. And holy cow, they're playing that song. And now they're playing that song and blah, blah, blah. But at the same time, there were a lot of gigs with that band that were once again, like three hour, four hour nights of just party, party, party and playing some covers, playing some, some, uh, originals. And that's sort of when, uh, we started to branch out and we, Lucas and I, Lucas playing the bass started like writing our own music. And that's where like the, okay. the genesis of learning how to write a song. So sort of what year is that roughly? Uh, holy cow, probably like t- 2011, probably 2012 okay. kind of thing. Um, and I've had been writing originals since I was 16 or whatever. Like, and I, I think I've always had a handle on um, structurally how to write a song. But it wasn't really until Whale started and we got these musicians that were all like blood in, blood out. This is what we're doing. We're putting the time right. in. Um, we are going to really hone in on our craft um, and really work on writing these songs. You know what I mean? That that we we came up with some songs that, um, I don't know, worked, sounded good, were sonically good, were pop-centric. And um, I felt that lyrically I was starting to get into my stride with it you know how does how does that all come together like where do the songs come from do you guys just sit in a room for a day lock yourself in be like we need to crank out two songs today let's do it that's our goal or is it more so here's what i've written guys you want to pick it apart yeah for for us it's it's all it's it seems to always be different um you know right now over covid funny enough like it's had to be a totally different writing style like it's had to be um, and it's not particularly the style of writing I like, but it's like, you gotta adapt, right? Um, like sending each other audio over email and being like, here's an idea. Can you build off this? And can you write to this Ryan? Okay. So, and, and a lot of bands, that's how they do it. And it works really well for them. Um, but it's never been our, my vibe. Like mine has always been for the very most part at the jam space. Uh, the guys start playing through something and it's usually very organic. And then they'll be playing through something. We'll find something cool. It seems to be working. And I'll go in the other room and lock myself away and, and be listening uh, to them playing. And then the ideas start cooking for melody and for lyrics and whatnot. And sort of the tone of the song and the vibe of the song usually lends itself to the tone and the themes of what I'm writing lyrically. And then there's other times where um, I'll come to the table with just a melody that's been in my head. And like I said earlier, like I'm not musically, I can't right. tell you, like I'm, I'm dumb like I'm with that stuff, but, um, I can write a pretty good hook has always been sort of my strength in the band. 
lyrically. Um, and I can usually come up with something in my head where I'm like, Brandon, try playing, Brandon, our guitarist, like, can you play this and I'll sing it and he'll play it because he's a genius. Because he can just like take my voice and mimic it on the guitar instantly and play it with a lot of style and he's good. Um, so it's, I'll come to the band with a tiny idea and then by the end of our session there, we'll have the bones of the song flushed out and like, we got a song. And then it's, you know, sometimes they just... Is that is that a few hours? Is that days? I would say you can like... We, we've written songs in like an hour. And that's that's on the wow. like... The, that's on like the short end. But then it's like you're always fighting with it until you record it, you know? You're tweak, tweak, always, tweak, tweak, And then you tweak. get into the studio with a producer and they're like, well, let's try this and this. And it's always evolving. Like... A song that we're going to release on our upcoming EP, this song called M, um, is like we, we've had that song in our bag since probably 2013 and we're finally going to release it. And it's been through like five different different iterations and we've honestly just like it's evolved because we've got like not sick of playing it. I've always liked the song, but it's like kind of sick of playing it you know what i mean where it's like yeah yeah we've yeah always this, this the structure and the bones of the song have always i've thought been really great and the chorus has always been great but we've i think we've changed it because we're like let's just try it this way now and this is fun and you know right. what i mean so no matter what like you know let's just pretend that that song took eight years to write <laughs> you know what i mean Whereas yeah, yeah. It probably in a roundabout way the fundamental structure and the bones of the song probably came out in 30 minutes but it, then it took eight years to get to the point where we were comfortable with putting it out there, you know? The Cool Jobs Podcast is brought to you by Crown Jewel Recruitment. Hi there, Mark Curtis, Managing Partner, Crown Jewel Recruitment. We are very excited to partner with the Cool Jobs Podcast. A little bit about us, we specialize in mid to senior level management positions, all types of industries. We also have entry level all the way through to executive suite. If you'd like to learn more, please check out crownjewelrecruitment.com. Like Cool Jobs Podcast on Facebook at Cool Jobs Podcast. When, when did you guys realize, hey, we're good. We need to start recording music. Like, when did that happen? Was that a realization by all of you or was it somebody in the band like, guys, we need to start laying the stuff down on tape? Um, I think that there has to be with anything uh, a blinding ego, <laughs> which I like, you know what I mean? Like there just is with, with what we do um, and with, I think, a lot of a lot of industries where like, you know, you have to believe that what you're doing is good. Otherwise, like, I don't know. I don't think you'd do it for that long. So I think there's always, you know. Yeah. So there's that. And then after playing shows, you get on a good night showered with adulation from people coming up after, like, that song, like, blah, blah, blah. And, like, they're drunk and whatever, right? And <laughs> at the We're going to hear it. We're going to get it. I mean, my whole goal in my life forever has been I want to release music and I want to hear my song on the radio like that's been a goal of mine since I was probably I don't know super young you know what I mean like grade five yeah, six awesome. whatever so that's always been I think the band has always everyone in the band has been very musically minded since forever since you know memory so yeah. you you guys went into way on the wolf for the purpose to record music yes. you guys all knew you were, band, you're stepping up here at this point we had enough connections enough sort of talent enough 
uh, people that we knew that would, you know, at that point we had played all over, all over Edmonton and we knew enough connections in the yeah. festival realm and enough people that we'd impressed enough that they want to have you back. Like that, that's, that's another thing too, I guess, like when you're like, okay, how do you know if you're good or not? It's well, if the bar wants you back, you know what I mean? If at the end of the night, right. the bar, otherwise it's like, they'll never talk to you again. You know what I mean? Like, well, yeah, and, yeah, and a yeah. lot of that is of course, like you're bringing a bunch of people out. And, and, you know, they seem to like it. And then the bar sells a lot of booze that night. And they're like, they want you back, whether you were great or mediocre, you know what I mean? But I, I just think, I don't know. I mean, you have to, in music, have, there, like I said, that, that there's a bit of the ego. And by a little yep. bit, probably in some cases, depending on who it is, a boatload of ego <laughs> where it's like, you know, uh, you believe that your music deserves to be heard and you need to if you're going to do it. That's know. awesome. Yeah. I think, I don't think that's ego. That's being confident. That's showing your yeah. product, I think, really. Yeah. Well, that's a nice way of putting it for sure. Um, um, so you guys are independent yep. band, right? Yep. Still? Okay. So that means that means not yes. signed to any major labels. Yeah, we've played around. We've done a couple of releases through labels. Um, that's okay. been fine and all well and good, but we've always so, found that our, I don't know, like... These days, and the way the industry is, it's it's always kind of been more of a right. boon for us to do it on our own, a bit. So, so quickly yep. walk me through that. Once somebody gets signed, you, that usually comes with not a payday, mm-hmm. but lots of stuff is paid for recording sessions. That correct. Eh, and yeah. then with you guys, you're paying your own way, but nobody, right? Is yeah, that... but nobody owns it but us. You know what I mean? So okay. Um. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of the like we are an independent band in that like we own for the most part, most of our songs outright hundred percent, they're ours. Um, so any streaming revenue or any royalties that right. come from the radio play that we've got, it's all to us. We're not splitting it up with someone who did something or didn't do something that you'd want them gotcha. to be doing. Um, uh, the music industry has changed like 10 times significantly over the last five years where it's like, you know, back in the day, a Guns N' Roses would be given a quadrillion dollar budget to make a music video and to make a record and to um, they right. then that record label would dump so much money into the marketing and would dump so much money into um, you know the tour and, and all and, and obviously they'd get right. paid back you know because just the way that the music industry was people were buying CDs for 18 20 bucks a pop or whatever it was and um, absolutely obviously when the CD died, and streaming came to the forefront. There's not as much money to go around, and I think now that that sort of like there is a foothold with the the streaming services, and labels are starting to crawl back to like labels are making a lot of money again. They are over the like, let's just say the last three or four years they started to climb back, but they were in a, a pretty bad spot for quite some years. Like I would say, probably the when when the Napster stuff started happening, that started to you know begin the downfall of what the right. current landscape of, of the music industry and the, the you know the role of labels was and now you think about you know gone are the days of much music and mtv and it's just everything's just so so different like much music used to give bands a shitload of money to go and make a music video and they didn't even really care what you spent it on like you you could you could you know now it's like if you're gonna get a grant it's it's got to be everything's earmarked and you're not buying anything for personal gain it's all just to like record it and blah 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 whereas like back in the day like right. much music would hand out these grants and bands would go and buy like a 
cameras and like for their, like, you know, whatever you want, you could go buy whatever. Like you buy a big screen TV probably and say it's a prop. You know what I mean? Like, so there used to be wow. a lot more money to go around. Um, right. And with, you think about MTV and you think about much music and all of the oh, yeah. advertising revenue that came with, holy shit, when we were kids, we'd watch the much music top whatever you know what i mean you'd watch the wedge i'd come buy, home friday watch, yeah. friday after school and yeah. it would be it'd yeah. be the countdown on yeah. and that would that's all that's what totally. would play the all so you you obviously you know it goes without saying everyone can kind of see the writing on the wall with where the yeah. ad revenue for that stuff is it's just not there anymore right so for sure um radio stations aren't taking as many chances on new music they like to keep it familiar and covid was not a big helper in that realm either because whatever um so i yeah like i said like the what the label was at one point it's not as beneficial as it once was that being said um it's still you know if you get on with the right people they have a team behind them they will get you on the big playlists they will get you the streams they will get you connected with the producers and they will get you on you know help to get you on with the agencies that can get you onto the big tours and so it's a label is definitely a powerful, powerful, powerful next leveling tool. Um, but it's got to be the right relationship, I think. Yeah. Right. Because because right now, do you guys pay, like mm-hmm. you said, grants, but is it all to your own yeah. pocket when you go to record, when you go, like, because you have to hire producers and the, and the rooms and, mm-hmm. and the sound engineers and all that. And then you got to promote it yourself. Like, there's a lot of expense in mm-hmm. the back end that I bet you people don't realize. Like, mm-hmm. I, you don't have to tell me the exact, but ballpark me. What does a song cost to record, start to finish, done in the box, send out? It depends on your producer uh, and what they want to charge um, and what they're doing. Like, let's just say that like one of the songs. Let's just go with like our song "Veins." Um, holy shit! Okay. I would say probably once it's all said and done and promoted and everything's out, it's probably like, like for something like that. Yeah, I don't even want to know like all the numbers, but like over fifteen grand. You know what I mean? Like, oh yeah, really? yeah. and then like, but that's like like the production wow. of it, and then the mastering, and then the music video that you got to do. Right. And and don't get me wrong, yeah. like, we are in that like the thing, the reason that like with with not having a label, we are lucky enough, and I think a lot of bands are having to be how we are these days, and we're just lucky enough that we were hit the ground running with it and had the talent within the band, but everyone's got to have their own job. Everyone's got to, like, I'm the booking in a way I'm like the booking agent for the band. We have an incredible videographer, photographer, um, graphic designer who's doing all of our, all of our branding, all of our socials, all of our music videos within the band. Yeah, it looks awesome. It's just, it's, you know, it's, it's costing us a bit of money, but yep. a music video, like our, like our music video for veins, just the video alone probably cost us a thousand dollars. But if you were to pay someone to do that, it would probably cost like fifteen thousand. You know what I mean? Like you could oh, yeah, and like so expensive, are stupid expensive, and everything's so expensive. So, so like I said, like we have yeah. guys in the band who are willing to and able to do all this stuff. Um, and I think a label these days won't pick you up unless you are self sufficient. You know what I mean? Like, and we we very much right. have all of those um, tools within the band. So yeah, basically now it's like a label doesn't want to have to put a bunch of stock into you and not want to spend a bunch of money on resources like can you do this on your own then we'll pick you up and we'll help you out on the back end with getting you the connections you need to get here or there or whatever you right? said if the if the partnership is right is that is that still a goal for whale and the wolf to uh-huh. oh totally oh okay. yes 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 and i think you need to there back in the day like 
there was this deal called a 360 deal. And like, let's say in my head, I remember always hearing it around like the year 2007, 2008, um, when labels still had, you know, like their, their hands in it all. And there was still much music and there was still yeah. MTV and the internet was whatever it was doing its thing. But, but there, and it was like, basically they would take the band and, you know, basically I think, I, I don't know if the genesis of calling it a 360 deal was that they'd take you around the globe three, you know what I mean? And, but like you weren't making any, like everything that you did, the label pocketed, you know what I mean? Like Uh, there was a point where, and I think, you know, you could hear the horror stories going back into the eighties and into the seventies and into way back since, since, since time immemorial with labels where they completely took artists for a ride. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, But I just remember like stuff like that, where it's like, you're you're making a deal with the devil where it's like you wrote this song, but it's not your song. None of it is. You know what I mean? Like and and hearing the stories about the labels that would legit say, here's a hundred thousand dollars to make your album and you do that and you get, you know, the best best producers in the world, and you're down in LA and you're recording in these historic studios. And then the label shelves the album because it's just, it's not really where they want to go at the moment. Or they have another band on their label that's kind of doing what you're doing and they're kind of going in that direction. You know what I mean? Right. I've been been privy with, you know, getting to know the people I've gotten to know over the years with it all where you just hear the horror stories. And uh, I would hope that now that bands have had to learn to do to go fishing you know what i mean in in a way like you know catch the fish and feed yourself for a lifetime or whatever um that there's a bit more leverage going into it um you hear like the they were the opposite of a a horror story with like a band like arcade fire where it's like they were 100 independently owned and i don't know what the hell they're doing now whether they're getting label support or what they're doing i probably should be up on the times with that but they just like they were kind of that one of those stories those feel goods where they're like they did it all they collected it all. They still ended up going on these giant tours and they still, and they just ended up sort of making a better deal for themselves right. because they proved themselves that they can do it anyway. So just leverage, you know? So I don't know. It's all, I don't know. There's a million ways to do this and there's no right way. No. There's probably a, a million wrong ways. Have you been close um, to signing? We, we've done, we did one of our songs we did with a label out of Amsterdam called Night Vision, who is a subsidiary of Warner music okay and like like i said they own that song like 80 percent of that song until for another 30 years you know and like it's our highest streaming song but did it i don't know i don't know what i don't know what i don't know how many wheels it cranked for us you know what i mean right yeah so okay um and i mean whatever at a, at a certain time and it worked for us and it's still to me to be honest i, I would do it over again like okay. i'd do that again like it worked out for us and it's still still you know i don't know just seeing your music and seeing like the footprint and, and the weird countries that it's getting played because it's a it's a label out of out of europe and so like we were on all these playlists in germany and all these playlists in denmark and weird places you know what i mean that, that we haven't toured and we have no footprint and that's the beauty of streaming is that you can be heard right. all over the world right you know? right um so it is magic like that but i don't know have you got states airplay yes so right now we our song veins is on satellite radio on the verge yep. nice. which is actually like canadian um like it's canadian i think it's all canadian like up and coming bands but it's on xm satellite radio 
Um, so I've got a cousin in Texas who texts me every day with screen grabs of like, it's on again. <laughs> it's awesome. So it's like really, really, you know, like that's, that's awesome. And yes, uh, aside from that, we released uh, a bunch of music into the U S last year in 2020, um, and got played all over hell and awesome. back in the U S on all, all kinds of different stations, um, all over the place. So it was, I don't know, like, um, the weirdest places on the planet that you, we haven't toured to, and, and we got radio play through a, a promo company that we hooked up with out of LA down there. Um, and they just pushed it all over the place. Cool. Some cool connections and some cool is, stories is, and some cool, yeah. Is a plan to uh, tour states at all eventually? Is it tough to, yeah, like, I, I mean, you guys all have day jobs, right? So like, do you have to take two months off and go do that? Or how, how would yeah, that work? Yeah, yeah. You would, for sure, you'd need to, yeah. Like you just, you just, do it like i think everybody has been has always in the band pushed the limits with their job that they have of like i really need this like, thursday off i just need thursday friday That's yeah it. honestly honestly like a lot of times and it's like through the good grace of a lot of senior management we've gotten away with with going on tour for x amount of weeks and come back to a job you know what i mean and that's awesome um so yes and it's always like you're always preparing yourself for a conversation that might end in like, no, you're like, well, I have to, the band's going, I'm going. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's all, I don't know. Like it's, it's, you gotta do it. You have to do it. Okay. Let's talk some, let's talk some music. Some, uh, some of your songs. Um, so good. Uh, your vocals, incredible. I, for, I totally forgot to thank you. Number one, to be the official band of the cool jobs podcast. I really love you guys. And, uh, so thank you. Number one for that. I really appreciate it, but let's go, let's dive into some tunes. Um, let's start with Domino. tell me about it um the song itself was one of the first songs that we wrote as whale and the wolf way back probably we wrote it in like 2013 or 2014 um came really easy that was a song that fell out of us in probably like one jam and then it, it really you know took shape it was another one of those things where it's like the song's there the bones are there the melody's there the lyrics are very close and then you know taking it into the studio you really i have to cram i'm a bit of a procrastinator so taking it into the studio it's like I like this word over this word, and this is a little jumbly here. How do we want to change that? And then on the production side, it's all these bells and whistles that get added after. But um, lyrically and theme-wise, that is for sure always a song that I think I wrote. None of the songs that I write, you know, for the very most part, are like autobiographical. Okay. They're not about my love life. My, I, I have a very um, solid-as-a-rock relationship with my partner in life. So like, you know, a lot of the best music and songs are about heartbreak and turmoil and you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, for sure. Um, Absolutely. Luckily, I knock on wood. I haven't dealt with a whole lot of that in my life. So I've always found that writing about maybe other people that I've surrounded myself with. Yeah, yeah. You know, it has always sort yeah, of like totally. sort of been a bit of inspiration or, and, and I think that that song Domino has always been about, the backdrop has always been Saskatoon. Always cool. been that. I can always like in my head think about the place in Saskatoon where a lot of the the places that I mentioned in that song would maybe be hypothetically. Yeah. And then it's uh, probably about, you know, some people that I grew up with that, um, you know, couldn't get out of their own way <laughs> decisions wise and the people they hung out with and uh, some of the wrong turns they took where when it was just so 
blatantly obvious the right turn to take, but that's that's the growing up, baby. <laughs> I have a random question. Are you a Saskatoon band? Are you guys an Edmonton band? Or are you just a Prairies brand? I feel like we, when we go out, I feel like we have three hometown shows that we can play. And I think that they are in Edmonton, and I think they are in Saskatoon, and I think that they're in Regina. Like okay. I just, yeah, yeah. I just think that those are the three places where it's, we've always been so well received and there's a lot of um, friends, family there and a lot of history throughout the band of the members who have done a lot of time in those places. Um, and a lot of the, I think the music, obviously thematically in the backdrop that we've written about and everything that we've done and how we are and who we are and why our music is what it is, is because of the place that we grew up and cut our teeth playing music in. So I'd say we are a band based out of Edmonton and it's a hometown. Like we're a hometown band out of Edmonton, but we go to Saskatoon and it's a hometown show, you know? That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. That's great. Uh, Next song is Touch. Walk me through this one. We wrote this song... Actually, actually, we wrote this one backwards from how we typically do it. Okay. Where we wrote the chorus first, like the hooky chorus. That was the first thing that got written. It was Brandon on the guitar just playing that guitar thing and us writing that chorus. Usually that doesn't happen. We don't uh, – yourself like I think that a lot of producers and a lot of people who write songwriters would tell you you want to write your hook and you want to write your chorus first and then you build around so? that. Yeah, and it's just never – that's never been how I or the band has – has done it. It's always been building up to it. And then the chorus seems to sort of write itself and tell the story because we built up to it from the verse and what the verse was doing. So anyway, that was a rare one where we wrote the chorus first. We, we produced that one in Edmonton here. And the producer okay. was Danny Craig, who was the drummer for the band Default. Um, yeah, he's yeah, just yeah, an yeah. awesome dude. Like he's such a great, great, great guy. And he's like forever in the DNA of the band. Every producer who, you know, comes and helps you and really helps you because we don't have the talent to do what they do. You know what I mean? Like they have this skill that once again, like when I'm talking to our drummer and he speaks a different language than I do musically, you talk to a producer and there's another language that I don't understand. And there's another total, like, like you need to like engineering and audio engineering background. I don't know. Like Johnny, you probably have a bit of that, like quite a bit of that because you produce, right? Yeah, I have, but going that when you get into music, that's a whole new world. There's and so they many, ask, man, buttons. They ask so many questions, and they're like, I, I, and then I'm supposed to know the answers to this stuff? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I would say that you are far and beyond a much better producer than like most people. And then, yes, of course, like on the taking a guitar and getting the tone oh. out of it that you want. That's, yes. that's It's just a different... It's a different thing. Yep. You know what I mean? Like it'd be like a pilot doesn't know how to be the mechanic on the engine on the plane, but he needs to know how the buttons work to make it go, you know? So um, quickly, yep. quickly, when you, when you, when you record a song, is it, correct me if I'm wrong, cause I don't know. Yep. Drums first, drums go down, then bass, guitar, singing, or is singing always last? It's kind yes, of all over the map. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, the way we've seemed to do it over the last few sessions is we will go into the studio and record this, this last EP with our song Veins and with our song Midnight Riot. Those were that was the closest to off the floor in a way oh, that we've recorded. Okay. Like kind of, like that's that's a stretch yeah, yeah. off the floor because it's it's not. But where we recorded the entire we recorded the bass and the drums together off the floor. 
Um, and, and it seemed to, I don't know, to me it was the first time with our recording and with what we were doing that it came across as a little more organic maybe to the naked ear nothing is like you know like everything in the world is overproduced to the right, nines right. now and um but it was the first time so i guess i guess the first thing that we did there in that in those you know in most of our recordings is a scratch track is what we would call it where the band is all hooked up like the guitarist is here he's got his set of headphones the drummer's out there he's got a million mics around his kit placed where they are our bassist is here our keyboardists over here everyone's got a set of headphones um and we play through our song you know to a click to get the timing right. And so the, really? the song's there. Track? You know what I mean? So the science, the song's there. And then you go and lay the layers on after the actual tracks. You know, sometimes you can nail your part in that scratch track, you know, session. And I bet you we could have ran a lot of certain elements just off of that scratch and would have worked. But it's like everyone's a perfectionist. And it's yeah, like, yeah. no, like we're going to go over that guitar part for 10 hours tonight. I was going to say, yeah. are those long days? Yeah. Is it exhausting? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Sometimes some of the songs come out easier than others, but like, holy, like I would say that like, you know, the guitar and because once again, perfectionists and, and really wanting to get a certain tone and want it, like, it goes through so many different channels. And once again, like engineers speak a different language and they found yeah. an amp at the studio that we did it. At, that ran through another amp and then we needed the right mic to process it and it needed to go through the right whatever and then we needed the right pedal setup and then in the end it needed to like it just it's insane and then you need to like like I don't like being around there for when they're tracking guitar because my brain blows up you know right and I had vocally things came decent come decently easy and they should um, but then like going and recording some backing vocals over my, like sometimes it's just right. like, you want to, Oh beat yeah. Yeah. Um, our drummer <laughs> is like a freak and he can get, you know, he can nail shit on a few takes and he just can. Um, but then again, once again, you go back through the engineer and it's like, Oh, but we ran the snare through this vintage amp from the seventies. like the weird, like running it through a guitar amp. You know what I mean? Like shit that I'm like, I'm walking into the studio. I'm like, what are you guys doing in here? I don't understand. Do you, do you get um, worried about that then? So you're creating the sound in the studio. Yeah. And then when it goes, you haven't played a live show in a little while. But when you go to play live now, it may not be exactly the same as the studio. Does that, that that's cross your mind? That's always terrifying. Um, and it's, it's, you know what sucks is, okay, you... It, Obviously, you're so happy. You should be. You are hopefully very happy with the final product that comes out of your recording. And it should sound bigger, better, flashier, shinier, crisper, right. no matter what, always in a recorded session. No matter what. Always, always, always. For sure. And then you sure. go to your jam space and you're like, okay, we added these elements that weren't originally in it. We play this part different here. And the first practice back where you're trying to replicate what you're trying, what you guys are doing on the recording, uh, it sucks so bad. And then like you get there, like, and you get like, we yeah. are, when you come see us live, it's, it's like, it's, it's, it's like the recorder. Like we, we did, awesome. a, we did a live stream from, so you yeah. almost have to relearn. Hey, you do. Yeah. 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 And you need to change things. You need to change a lot of shit. <laughs> it's, and it's 
no one likes doing it. You know, you have to do it. And it's sometimes yeah. the more grueling part of being in a band is. Yeah. <sighs> and, and you know what? Okay, like, yeah. <laughs> I, I was going to say one more song. One more song, one more song. I want to talk about Veins. It was a huge hit. Um, getting airplay everywhere. Um, check it out right now. Okay, where did this one come from? This was a funny one. If you want to talk about writing process where stuff just falls out of thin air. Um, the genesis of the song, I was sweeping my floor in my old condo and the, the, the like first few lyrics just fell out of thin air. And I always find that like, I've written a few songs while going on, you know, thematically, lyrically, whatever, going for a run. Like there's that rhythmic thing where you're running and there's a bit of a time and stuff will just creep into the forefront of my brain. And I'm like, thank you, whatever just happened there. And you write it down. You put it into a voice recorder so you do not yeah. lose it. Because you'll a melody will come into your head and out, and you'll never remember it ever again. So we record right. all of our jams now because things can just fall out by accident. And you need to like capture that and remember that. So anyway, that one came while I was sweeping a floor. And whether it was like the rhythmic pattern. And it's like, like I said, like the, the genesis, the very beginning the idea of that song that turned into what it is now holy shit the pathways it went through to get from my me sweeping my floor to the song that it is had to pass yep. through a million channels that made it a bajillion times better than how it did in my i probably still have the voice recorder memo and it probably sounds like shit when i you know if you were to listen to it but it's there the idea is there cool and it, and, it, and take it to the jam space and try and like tell the guys a couple of little elements and then like the band is like none of this stuff like i'm musically challenged they take it and they make it good mine it's not good when it comes from me the idea comes sometimes from the genesis of something that just i'll wait i've woken up from an, our song midnight riot i woke up from yep. a sleep and that just like in a weird waking up and not really having my brain fully some of the stuff came from just like being in this dumb state and it's like run record some of this stuff like go write this now and like i said like the song would suck and then the band makes it good and then production makes it good and all yeah. that so um we've written songs many different ways but that veins was one that just fell out and veins you i don't know if you how you decide but you pushed it quite well yeah. uh promoted it well yeah. um it's i think it did very well canada uh, north america yeah. um so w how do you what how do you pick and choose which goes this one we're pushing this one we're not going to push there's no right way to do that stuff but there and it's all a democracy in our band very much so and then you're talking to your producer and you're i'm lucky to have some some still some great connections in radio that i can pass it to some people who are music directors and, and it's just pure and simply like what do you think of these what where's your yeah. head like if there's any chance of this doing anything what's the right foot to put forward and man you can hear all different answers and you need to go with your gut no matter what and you know, whether we did what we did right or wrong, I feel comfortable with the way that the order that we're putting this EP out. I feel, feel good about it. I'm not going to like no regrets with any of it. Um, you know, given the circumstance of COVID, whatever yeah. I oh, do, sure. you know, I feel like we, we came out of COVID uh, a more successful band. 
than some people who just like it sucks like some bands that we used to play with just don't anymore you know like and i get it and i understand but um yeah i don't know i i guess to go back to that question there's no right way but i, I just feel like veins yeah. veins was clear in a way the the song on the ep that was kind of be the the flagship and that when we sent awesome. our demos to our producers out of nashville that was the one that was the veins just the like shitty jam space recording that we made of that song was the reason they flew from nashville to canada to record with us with veins yeah i was gonna say do they come here or you go there they came here they came and here. they had a blast they they had never been oh, cool. here they actually it was funny they came like during summer solstice in 2019 so you know they're from nashville um and coming here and the first night they got here it was one of those nights where it was just light until 11:30 at night and it like blew their minds because they'd never seen that before and i'm like That's yeah awesome. you kind of take it for for granted and they ate a poutine every day that they were here they just like all they did all checked a lot of the boxes off of, you know like if you're not from here you might do that uh, stuff um but yeah that that was that i guess that's why veins front and center like the producers like that's the shit awesome we'll come record with you that's the that's the reason let's you know build cool. some songs around it yeah um craziest thing you've ever seen at a live show i'll keep it there's a lot, <laughs> lot of stuff that's like you know okay that show that you guys played yeah 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 like okay like, okay like, well just like nudity flying around out there like okay happens right. often yeah no not often but it, it, it's happened oh, okay. you, you know what i mean like random stuff like yeah, yeah. that I think one cool. of the, yeah, you know what I mean? Where you're like, okay, that's happening in front of me to each their own. Um, um, a lot of, you know, and then I always find we just, you know, playing Halloween shows is always a, a, a weird thing. Oh you know yeah, I mean? where, for sure. Where you're for like, sure. the Joker is making out with, with, with Tiger King <laughs> or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, and then you're like, that's interesting. Yes. You know? Um, that's awesome. Yeah. A lot of like, you know the the cliche failed crowd surfing moments the you know the just yeah, yeah, the, sort yeah. of the tiny little dramas that you'll see unfold in front of your eyes that you got to kind of like focus on what you're doing but you i can turn my brain off enough from the song to kind of focus on like hey luke did you see you know pink shirt up front like she wasn't happy <laughs> you know what i mean like nothing nothing with us but like just something that was happening just you know you get a funny view being on stage you get to see a um, lot of things for you know? sure um yeah um talk, talk to me about lemon stage yes uh so lemon stage how did that a i guess for people that don't know what is it and then b how did you guys get there and see how amazing was it lemon stage is this like fantastic new um platform idea philosophy with music where it's about artist development it's based out of i guess the first and like sort of the beta model for it was based in toronto at el macombo and the idea is um for there to be a lemon stage in every sort of major market across canada when all is said and done um that is going to allow on you know whether it's a tuesday or a wednesday any given week for you know emerging artists to get you know a spot that is highly marketed highly publicized and like these are the bands in your town that are doing something come out and see them before you you know can't see them on a small stage or whatever you know what i mean um yeah and yeah. it's it's this company called lemon entertainment they're based out of vancouver and out of toronto um jessica lemon is the sort of the founder of it and she ran the lemon stage at the warp tour for years and years and years and years and it was always 
this one of the side stages that was like these up and coming bands yeah. so like bands like the beaches um would have been on the warp tour lemon stage back in the day like and now they are where they are they're giant um so um you know lemon had their their kickoff at the El Combo in Toronto, which is this brand new revamped glitzy venue in Toronto. That's a historic venue that just got a, a bajillion dollar upgrade. That's the nice. most incredible stage and incredible, just beautiful, shiny venue. Um, and we were just lucky enough that we just had some connections, made some friends with the right people and impressed the right people, I guess at the right time. Um, and they wanted to have us be a part of like their opening week festivities. And we got to go out to Toronto in November and COVID cases were quite low at the time. And we got to play a live show in a club, which was not happening that often over the last two years. Right. Yeah. And got to work with some incredible industry professionals and some of the best sound guys on the planet using like who were like going through this brand new board in this brand new venue that like everything is like more high tech and expensive than it needs to be in that venue for a reason. Um, so like we were playing through like a, a mixing console and like through a front of house, like speaker stage that probably could have made noise for a festival outdoor festival, but it's in this small ish medium sized venue. And it's like, the guys are pushing the fader up to one, you know what I mean? And they're like, it's like, holy shit. You know what I mean? So I don't know. It's just the yeah, best. So, so lemon stage, lemon entertainment. That's the idea is it's, it's about, cool. it's about sort of up and coming talent development. And I mean, with, where we're at with music right now, it's just such a, I think it's going to be an important group and company and philosophy going forward. Yeah. We just got kind of in on the ground floor and they're helping us yeah. out with a lot of bookings going forward. Does, yeah. With new music and, and everything, um, does it piss you off when you see a TikToker all of a sudden blow up? Next thing you know, they're on Ellen. Next thing you know, they're playing at the Grammys. Like, you guys are grinding so hard all the time, yeah. pushing, 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 spending your own money, $15,000 on a music sure. video, whatever. And then this happens. Like, do you get like, oh, why is that not um, us? No. And I mean, like, I don't know. I mean, I think pop music, you could always say, you know, forever. And maybe, maybe more so in the last few years or whatever, um, depending on who it is, depending on what they're doing. Um, there's always a ton of incredibly talented musicians and there's a lot of money behind it. There's a lot of everything that goes into that and whatnot. But I think just at the base level on TikTok, like the song still needs to be catchy and the song still needs to be well-written. There people aren't, I mean, then again, like people are attracted to stuff that you're just like, why do people like this? This is garbage. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, like a lot of these songs <laughs> yes, coming up on TikTok and a lot of the artists getting discovered on it, you're like, okay, I see why there are legs on this. Like it's got the, like it's a, it's a hooky catchy okay. song. Um, I think as a band, um, it's not as prevalent. I think the pop side of it, like, you know, with TikTok and whatnot, and like just as acoustic singer songwriters, right. like you can get your music out there. And if you've got like a good song, it's got to still be a good song. You know what I mean? For it to like make waves for the masses and it's got to say something. So, you know, all the power to them. I think, as far as a band is concerned and what we're doing, you can't learn to play on a big stage and and do the networking and do the the ins and outs that come with a gig day. You're not learning that on TikTok. You're learning that through terrible right. mistakes over years of regret. <laughs> um, playing like, playing um, in those small like, bars, and, right? And making a million mistakes and learning from them yeah. uh, and playing shitty small bars. You're right. So... Um, yeah, I, I think you can still 
brand your band and you can get super far on tiktok and especially in a realm right now where there's not a lot of live music happening you can you can probably like make make hay while the sun shines in that realm but when it comes to playing live shows there's still such a craft that you can't that you need to still learn and cut your teeth on and um so yeah i mean um i hope that kind of answers that yeah i don't want to crap on what people like totally ryan man what an awesome uh, no, sour food by. Like, oh, I didn't even think I even answered your questions. Maybe I talked too much. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it was so good. Um, what's what's hopefully 2022 is great for Whale and the Wolf. You know, uh, like we talked COVID. Everybody says hopefully it's end soon. Like hopefully it does. Is there is there anybody booking anything right now or is everybody just hanging there's back? There's all wings? kinds of stuff being booked, but there's as much stuff getting canceled. You know what I mean? And we've had. Right a lot of stuff that's come up. I, I've, we have a show right now that I don't want to, I don't know. I don't want to say it yet, but okay. it's been postponed twice now. And now it's finally like, we've got another right. tentative date for it, but you don't want to say anything, you know, and it's probably, it's not actually official with the actual, you know, company putting it on. It's a really cool, big show for us. And we're excited about it, but yeah. Okay. Well, as soon mm-hmm. as you, Make yeah. it. It's on the yeah. podcast. We're going. Yes. You got it but here. Yeah, the 100%. idea is when things allow it, we are going to play nice. a million trillion shows throughout this year if we can. So that's the idea. Ryan, you have one cool Ta-da! job. Uh, 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 that's the name. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for being My on pleasure. the podcast, man. Cool Jobs Podcast brought to you by Mark Curtis at Crown Jewel Recruitment with over 200 people hired. Mark at Crown Jewel Recruitment will find the right people for you. Contact him today, 780-984-8800 or email mark at crownjewelrecruitment.com. The Cool Jobs Podcast is brought to you by Crown Jewel Recruitment. Have a cool job or know someone that does? Let us know. Email johnny at cooljobspodcast.com. You got me fiending for that first high. The feeling's not the same.